0: The plan is to invest in myself. That is the only plan that matters. That's the only plan that should matter for anyone. Invest in yourself. How can we become a winner in our everyday lives?
1: That's when you get exciting career paths where you can go from business student, to teacher, to software engineer, to accessibility advocate. That's my story. Your story is gonna be totally different, but it's not gonna be this straight path. That's just not the way the world is anymore. It's
0: one blueprint. We all live different lives, we're all doing different things. In a day-to-day mindset, it's capitalizing on those wins and then using that to build confidence to become a winner.
1: Hey, it's great to have you back for another episode of Opportunity Made, where we share practical lessons to break patterns, get unstuck, and find freedom in business and life. I am your host, Katherine Lewis. If you're new with us, in each episode, my incredible guests and I will bring you empowering insights and easy to understand takeaways you can use to transform your life. You'll learn effective ways to grow as a leader, clear your success blockers, and make new opportunities, giving you a life you love. Welcome, everybody, to the Opportunity Made podcast. My name is Katherine Lewis, and I am your host. I am an accessibility advocate, software engineer, and the executive director of the Leon Foundation of Excellence. Today, with me, I have Jonah Begler, who is joining me from our studio. (laughs) We are just excited to dive in and get started with this conversation. Jonah, do you want to introduce yourself?
0: Of course. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is John Begler. I am a senior at the University of Colorado, uh, studying finance and information management. I guess a little bit about my professional st- background is I've interned for a couple companies, the first one being Strategy, and then interned most recently with KPMG this past summer, and was lucky enough to be able to return full-time um, here in the coming summer. So looking forward to that. More, more about me personally, I'm I guess i describe myself as a competitor by my nature, whether it's sports or just anything in life. But I guess uh, that'll be part of our conversation today.
1: Jonah, you're absolutely a competitor. I think you're in like five sports at once. So <laughs> <laughs> That was an accurate description. Awesome. Well, Jonah, you have a fabulous story that I'm excited to get into. Right now, you're in your last semester at the University of Colorado in Boulder, can you just describe what life is like right now?
0: Yeah, of course. Life right now, so I guess a little fact about me is I'm graduating I'm from CU in three years. Uh, this is part of the plan I had going into school. If you know anything about Boulder, it's not cheap to live there, so I couldn't afford staying around for four years, but sad that this is my last semester up at CU, but really looking forward to you know just getting the most out of it saying goodbye to all the friends. I know that we're all going to be transitioning into our professional careers and just excited to see where everybody goes in our different paths.
1: Yeah, donna when you're thinking about that transition, do you have some friendships that you feel like will stick around? Or are you starting to have that sense and understand how everyone really does, unfortunately, end up going different ways at the end of the year?
0: I think you, the first time you really see it, I think is You know that transition from high school to college, where all of your friends go separate ways. But for me, especially, part of college and a big part of college, me going to college was getting to know a lot of my peers. And relationship to me is one of the most important things that you can have in life. I think that's kind of why we are all you know here on this earth is just work together and get to know each other in a deeper way than just business or whatever you may be doing professionally. So. The, the relationships that I've built, I still have lifelong friends from high school, and I hope to keep lifelong friends from college as well. Um, everyone that I've met and interacted with at CU, everyone has their own unique story. And I think it's important to keep you know that diverse background with you. Um, you can learn a lot from just everyone's different stories. And I really hope to facilitate those relationships going forward.
1: Is there anything that you're doing to be intentional about that?
0: Yeah, so I guess... Intentionality is something to me, is very important to me. I think back to kind of my first transition into college and thinking about, you know, it's really the first time you really have to manage your time for yourself. You've got no one looking over your shoulder. Teacher doesn't care if you show up for class. They're, they it's, it's up to you. You're the one paying. So, it's really up to you to really manage your time in whatever way you want. And so, I adopted this mindset of just being present. It sounds so simple, but it can be so difficult just to be present in any any interaction and in any environment that you can. And what what I mean by that is that if you are, let's say, just walking down the street and you just run into someone and start talking to them, it doesn't matter what the conversation can be, put yourself present a hundred percent into that one spot. I know that I mean our generation in particular is known for our multitasking abilities right? we go to work and you've got a video going on you've got four people messaging you on teams and you're supposed to be working at the same time and you know that multitasking is what our generation is known for but at the same time when you just have that one thing that you are fully present in you can learn so much more and that's not to harp on saying multitasking is bad because it's, it's really not multitasking is a great skill to have but at the same time, I just being present is so important, and that's really what helps build those relationships. And I think I think you can tell with people when you're talking to them whether they're 100 there or their mind is wandering in a million different places.
1: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I there's so much that I could say. I'm still processing this, Jonah. I am absolutely impressed by your age and then your discussion of this concept. Now. This concept isn't tied to age, like anyone can understand this at any point in time, but oftentimes it takes people a while to, they just need more life experience to come to this place where they really understand this concept. So I love that you and I get to talk about this because I'm obsessed with it. Like my entire life is focused on being present right now and how to do that. I used to so operate in the past and the future, and I'm doing a thousand things at once And this year, 2023, definitely told myself, we're going to shake things up and we're going to be present in this moment. And so every single day I wake up, I do my morning routine and then I plan out my day and I plan it so that way I can only do one task at a time. And I'm just doing that task. I'm no longer like also responding to teams or if an email comes in or someone's texting me, like I have drawn an internal boundary where I'm saying no to any of those things. And that could cause me to be really, really stressed because I am one of those people where I have no email in my inbox. Since starting this, I have 500 emails (laughs) in my inbox. Like I am like, oh my goodness, is this actually gonna work? But I feel like if I can play it out long enough, even for just a month and see, I think it's going to have dividends that it'll pay off. The reason why I think it's so important for us to be here in this present moment, as you were saying, is people can, one, really sense it so we're able to better connect with people if all of our energy is here. I'm just here, I'm talking with Jonah. I'm not also thinking about what I'm doing later this evening or that email that I need to get back to. Like none of that is there. I don't have half of my energy here trying to just get through this conversation and half also feeling anxious about something that's going to come or this awful conversation I had before in the past that I need to deal with whatever it is. I like, am just here in this moment. The other thing that I love that you talked about that I'm also trying to practice, which is why I'm just like, wait, what? Like Jonah also doing this. Like this, this is incredible is because I'm trying to be super present to whatever life brings me. So if you were walking down the street and someone passes you and says, Hey, I am present to that person because how lucky am I that I got to cross paths with someone? Like in this day and age, we are so isolated. We get to get in our cars and go to our offices and come back home to our houses. Like we don't often interact with each other, especially having random interactions. And so if someone's placed in my path, I'm paying attention to that and I'm present with that because there's either something for me to give or something for me to learn. And I feel like life feels so much more full. We can feel more satisfied and content when we operate in that way. So that's fantastic. I want to hear more about that. And how has that made an impact in your life? Do you have like a story or a particular memory where that really made a difference by being present and showing up?
0: Yeah, I'd I'd say I'm going to go way back into kind of my past here, but I'm going to tie this kind of into competitiveness. And it's the first time I really heard about the idea of what competitive greatness is, is middle school basketball. I had one of my PE teachers who ended up coaching our basketball team, his name's Steve Lopez, incredible guy. But what he wanted to teach us is that basketball is not about, you know, just all the skills that you have. It's about becoming competitively great. So, you know, what what does that mean? Because as as people who observe sports or you know success, we, we have these metrics to measure everything. How many points did you score? How much money do you make? Whatever that is, that's how I feel like our generation you know measures how competitively great you are. But that's really just not very fulfilling, is what I found. You can score thirty points a night, but you know if the game isn't something that you fall in love with and something that you know you have a passion for and are hundred percent into, then what's the point, right? And I I see that, to tie that into, you know, being present is that you don't wanna be wearing a mask saying that, oh, I'm I'm here talking to you because, you know, this is is what I'm doing at the time. But like you said, you know, I'm thinking about the dinner that I have to make tonight or that angry email that just came across my desk, whatever that may be. I think that just being present is a way to become, you know, competitively great. Because when you are there in the moment, you are putting your best foot forward and you are engaged. And I, I want to hang on to one of the words that you had brought up when you were talking about the benefits of what you've seen from being present. And that is learning, learning from so many different angles. I think that when, when you're not hundred percent present, you don't have an open mind to accept and hear whatever that other person that you're talking with may have to say, and in order to be competitively great, you need to be able to see things from all angles. And so I think that's, that's probably where I've seen the most growth for myself is just opening up my mind and just fully accepting whatever, you know, uh, comes up in conversation.
1: Wow. It makes me think about what could life be like if we all were operating at that level? I feel like humans tend to, they find it easier to keep themselves small and to make others small or invite others to also take on that smallness rather than being competitively great, as you said, being present, being highly intentional and operating at like, not even their max potential. It's, it's, I don't want it to be full of pressure, but just really fulfilling the potential that we have. What are your thoughts on like why humans tend to operate in that way?
0: I think that Humans, I mean, we are just innately greedy. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the word I'd, I'd like to use there. And I mean, none of us are ever perfect and we always have things to work on. But, you know, greedy in the sense of we, in, in a sort of selfish way that we are thinking about how we are going to further ourselves the most, which can oftentimes be hidden from you. You know, you don't know what is going to help you succeed until you actually do it. I think a lot of the times we think there's this one thing that we need to do and that's the only path that's going to make me go forward but sometimes you know those things that really do make you great, they come out of nowhere and if you're not present for that moment, you're just gonna completely miss out on it. And the, the great example of that is going just going back to see you in the classes that I'm taking is everyone who's been to college or is in college knows that we ought to take these gen ed classes and nobody wants to take them. You're sitting there in messages with all your friends trying to figure out which one's the easiest A, you know, which one doesn't have an attendance policy, all this stuff. And it's an intentional way to not be present by taking these easy, easy classes. And so what I would challenge is, I mean, yes, I am a person who's taking the easiest classes, you know, that are out there. For my general education classes. But when I'm there in class studying this material, I'm 100% present there studying that material. And I think what it's it's done for me, I mean, for example, last semester, I took an astronomy class. I know nothing about the sky. I will never have a professional career working on the sky. Well, who knows? Maybe I will. But (laughs) as of right now, that is not the current plan. And I didn't really have any expectations going into that class, but after taking that class and learning more about the sky, I am completely fascinated with, you know, just the scale of the universe, which is a whole discussion for another day. But no, just being present there, learning about how, okay, I can see why these people who go into astrophysics love what they do, or whatever degree it may be, and just seeing the perspective of what it is to be an astronomer and just getting a better understanding of the world that we live in. I think just, it it doesn't help me in any skills that I may need to bring to the table day one in the workforce, but I think it does make me a more well-rounded person. And I, it brings me more confidence, just having more knowledge about how everything around you works. And so when I say building success, that's that's how I think I've built success through being an intentional and things that may not necessarily jump out and say, this is an opportunity. This path you should go down.
1: I think you're also building up empathy. Cause as you said, okay, now I can understand why someone loves this or wants to explore that. And when you have that empathy, you know, you also mentioned that you may not be directly contributing to your career and what you're saying is valid. And I would also counter that in some ways, because what I've seen through my career is some of the biggest skills, the most important skills that you can have that lead to your success is the way that we relate with humans having that empathy, having that confidence that you are talking about, that you have, that is what's going to contribute, in my opinion, the most to your success. So I love that fact. And I hope that when people are listening, they are really thinking about what does that tangibly look like on a day-to-day basis? Because we can all say, oh yeah, of course, we need to be more confident. We need to have empathy, da-da-da-da, like be more present, whatever, Meditate. I don't know. Uh, it's it's like very much a buzzword nowadays, right? And so, right. what does that actually actually look like? And Jonah, you are out of everyone I know, someone who can very proficiently speak to what that looks like on a day to day basis. Because man, you have a master plan for getting through <laughs> your life and being present to all that you're doing. Can you kind of outline what it looks like to be present on a daily basis?
0: Yeah, just kind of walking through the day to day. I I think I'd like to grasp on that piece that you just said about how I have this master plan that looks great, you know, going into, I've got everything planned out when in reality, there is no plan, but (laughs) the plan is to invest in myself. And that is the only plan that matters. That's the only plan that should matter for anyone. Invest in yourself. You know, it doesn't matter what I may be doing in the summer, I've got a plan to go work for a job. But it's all coming back to investing in myself. That is the plan. If I ended up, you know, not going to the same place this summer and working somewhere else. I'm still sticking to the plan of investing in myself. And so how do you do that in a daily basis to, I guess, make sure that you are achieving that competitive greatness? So the the day to day on, you know, really what it means and what it looks like to invest in yourself, I think, comes back to the idea of becoming a winner and I think this all ties to the competitive greatness thing but how can we become a winner in our everyday lives and i think that oftentimes as humans i mean we do have this greedy part but we also don't like to relish in our successes which is kind of counterintuitive but we don't do it enough you know yeah no just waking up in the morning and making your bed that's an accomplishment pat yourself on the back for that you know that's 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 a positive thing that you just did Reward yourself for it, you know. That you know that should bring you happiness. And and I know that there's that mantra out there that ten bad things make one good, or sorry, ten good things make equal one bad thing, and that's just how it works, you know, in our, in our brains. And I I really believe that's true. And in order to make that balance work, we have to reward ourselves for our successes to build up that confidence that makes us winners. I think back to uh, Warren Buffett. I mean, he's I think everyone in the business world would agree that he is a winner and when we think of winner how is he a winner he invests big and he wins not all the time but he wins 51 percent of the time and you know i think of business and he is a massive winner but he only wins 51 percent of the time mm-hmm. right and so when he loses he loses big too because he invested big you know that's i take this mentality and apply it to my own lifestyle no matter what it is i'm doing i want to invest heavily and big in myself And I want to work hard enough to make sure that I'm going to win at least 51% of the time. Because if I'm winning more than half the time, then I'm a winner. And I have the confidence in myself to be able to say that I can do that. So I think that's that's kind of the day-to-day of how to do it. There's no one blueprint. We all live different lives. We're all doing different things. But I think in a day-to-day mindset, it's capitalizing on those wins and then using that to build confidence to become a winner.
1: Dude, mic drop. (laughs) <laughs> that one's awesome. Jonah, when you are investing yourself and you're picking what that looks like, I mean, I can imagine someone listening and being like, where do I even start, right? Is it, is it making your bed? Is it waking up on time? Is it putting $50,000 in a savings account? Like what, what is that? And I don't even want specifics. We can go into specifics, but what I think is more meaningful is the... Delineation or the discernment to know is this an investment in myself or is this not? And how do you gauge that?
0: Right, right. I think that's that's probably the most difficult part of the whole stage, right? Is trying to find that one thing. Going back to discussions I've had with my peers in college, it's I have all this time, I have the energy right now, and I want to put it into something, but I don't know what that one thing is. And I think typically we use the word passion, finding your passion and you know, going to college, you're asked, what degree are you getting in the attempt of you're getting this degree to get this one specific job? And that job is your passion, right? And just to be honest, I think that's all a load of BS. And <laughs> the reasoning is, is I mean, I've mean, i talked to so many people in a professional career. I haven't even started mine, so I can't really speak to it for myself. But say 95% of the people I've met are not doing what they got a degree in. And so that's not really where the passion derives from. I think where the passion comes from is learning experiences. Mm -hmm. And I I really love talking to you about this earlier, Catherine, because I really do believe this is the whole purpose of going to college for me was learning how to become a lifelong learner. I think that is the biggest skill that you can get out of college or not even college, just life in general, Mm -hmm. loving how to learn. I mean, it's, that's, I think, how you're going to find your many, many, many different passions you may have in life. I mean, going back to, I guess, an example for myself, something I just picked up is I just started playing the guitar. I was listening to music, and I like listening to some rock music, and I think it's really cool how these guys can you know play these guitar solos. And I've always wanted to do that myself. And I think the from college just taught me that if you put your mind to it, you can learn anything. And mm-hmm you don't even need an institution to tell you that we've got YouTube, we've got the entire internet. I mean, you can learn anything you want online. And so I picked up the car and guitar and started learning it. I don't know if it's passion, maybe it will be, uh, but you have to find the love to learn new things. I think is what's really, that's going to guide you to those unique passions that you have and I mean, I know for myself right now, I'm getting an information management and finance degree, but half the stuff I learn right now will probably be irrelevant in three four years just with how fast things change, which just furthers that importance of, you know, becoming a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. loving how to learn, getting excited for the opportunity. I have free time right now. I think this is cool. Let me learn all about it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, following the YouTube rabbit holes. <laughs> I, I get I get caught doing that at night sometimes I know a lot of people do but you start with one video you just keep going farther and farther down that one topic and so you know everything about that topic and you know just that exact blueprint loving to learn about just specific things whatever it may be love how to do that and that will guide you to that passion
1: and we are at such an advantage right now as you were saying we have complete access to the internet we have YouTube videos TikTok I mean wherever it is. You can find a teacher it doesn't just have to be a professor or someone that you're paying to instruct you you can learn all of this on your own and so there any time that we feel limited in life or we feel like we don't have what we need or we don't have an opportunity or resources just go get it like you can you can create opportunities for yourself. you can obtain the resources that you need just by going online and doing an internet search so i love like the message that you're sending of just how available and how free we are to empower ourselves through learning. And when you start to learn one thing and you practice that muscle of learning, as you're saying, it becomes so much easier to learn anything because you've learned how to learn. So that's like forming a bucket, right? You've created your bucket. You've used that pottery, that clay, right? And you're forming that pot that's going to contain whatever knowledge you put in there. So after you've built that learning muscle, now it's just pouring that content in. You know, you always see that that image of the teacher coming along with a pot and they're like pouring the knowledge into the student's head. That's basically what you're doing for yourself. So once you have that muscle of learning, now it's like, all right, just pick the topic and it's going to be that much easier to actually absorb that topic. And then if you're being present with it as well, you don't have to go back and study your notes and, and do all of that because- you're internalizing it as it's coming at you because all of your focus, all your energy is here on this one thing in this moment. I mean, how many times have people gone to class and they're not actually there because they're just DMing their friends and then they get to the final and they're like, shoot, I don't know anything. Like I need to study.
0: Right. Right. And I think that's just, that's a very powerful thing as well, just because I think that's If you do know how to learn, and that really is your root passion, I think that just makes you so valuable for anyone, you know? And I think that's what creates winners. Winners in the mindset of, I don't know how to do this. I, right now, like I'm going into work as a Microsoft, uh, on the Microsoft stack over at KPMG. And when I first started using Microsoft, I'd never used Microsoft before, and I learned it, and here I am. So... Tomorrow if, if I'm taking this adopting the same winning mindset that Catherine's our pro on podcasting over here, right? And I've this I've never worked with any podcast equipment or any of um, these applications before. But tomorrow, if Catherine was looking for putting together the best podcast team possible, right, I would want to be someone that she could rely on because she knows that I'm a winner and that mm-hmm. I can learn it and I can become the best at it just because I know how to learn. You know, and I think it's such an invaluable skill. Any company that you ever go work for, they're going to teach you how to do things the way that they want you to do it. You know, you do need a baseline level of skills going into a job, but you don't need to know it all. Mm -hmm. What they are looking for is you need to know how to learn, and they want you to be excited how to learn. And -hmm. I think that's the biggest skill that you can have because if you know how to learn, you can win in any environment.
1: Oh, man, dude, wisdom. That is so legit. I just think back to when I was being hired at LinkedIn as a software engineer, like I had some basic skills, but I mean, I don't know. I think <laughs> I was going to say that, that they weren't enough to get me the job and really what got me in <laughs> there is like other things, but I don't want to discredit myself too much. I had some basic skills, but I do know that when I went in to do the interview process, They asked me to walk them through this application that I had to build. And so I walked through and I was explaining it line by line, why I wrote what I wrote and what did it do? And it was that part of the interview where they were like, wow, okay, this person can understand what she's doing, why she's doing it and can communicate it to other people. And so it was actually my ability to communicate, provide clarity and explain In my opinion, I won't actually know why they hired me, but in my opinion, like that was my strongest point in the interview where they sat back after I was done explaining it and went, wow, that was the best explanation we've ever had. Like they were impressed at that moment. And so they couldn't like not hire me. And where those skills came from was being a second and third grade teacher just a year before. Like, so I went from being a teacher to being a software engineer and it was my teaching skills that helped really helped me in that process. Yes, I knew some of the basics of software engineering. I'd spent nine months you know, coding and building out projects. But to what you're speaking about, Jonah, is if we can be willing to learn, that's when you get exciting career paths where you can go from business student to teacher, to software engineer, to accessibility advocate. That's my story. Your story is gonna to be totally different, but it's not gonna be this straight path that everyone says, you must pick one thing and do it for life. Like, no, we don't have to, right? That's just not the way the world is anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love that. I I love hearing your story of just how you've deflected so many different ways and look at you now, you're a software engineer at LinkedIn. I just want to know personally, did you ever think you were going to be, you know, doing what you do now? I just think that, no, seeing your story and where you came from and all these different steps, I think that I'd just love to know your mentality going into each one of these different roles, kind of how you saw yourself moving forward through that role.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know, Jenna, you're kind of you're kind of speaking for me from this standpoint that it really is coming to this moment where you recognize those two things and one of which you're talking about. Once you realize that it's not a cliche that any human can learn anything, then you can learn anything. Done, story <laughs> over, hello, let's move on, right? Like, right. let's start learning things. And, and it, you might be able to say, oh, well, you know, we create all these stories in our head. Well, I'm a woman, so I can't do math and science. Like that's been a narrative in story. Bunch of BS, like I have a human brain, a man has a human brain, like it is the same difference. You might say, well, I have a learning disability, and so I can't. Well, no, it might take you longer. You might need more resources. You might need more help. You might need to practice more. You might fail more. But never did you end up at a place where you can't, absolutely cannot. And so when we get into our heads and comparing ourselves between other people and their learning journeys, that's where we arrive at I can't. But if you just become present to your own journey and you say, okay, so I know that I'm not very good at X, Y, and Z. Let's say, so for me in high school, I loved physics, but I was not good at physics. I struggled and I determined that I couldn't do it. Because I determined I couldn't do it, I wanted to become a quantum quantum physicist and I decided that that wasn't a career route for me. Had I approached this with the knowledge that I have now, then I could have gone back and said, okay, okay. This stuff doesn't really make sense. I know I enjoy it, but I'm not doing well on my assignments. So what do I need? I need to slow it down. I need to build more time into my schedule to study. I need to get a tutor. I need to look at videos on YouTube. Whatever it is, you have to support yourself and build out that structure that you need so you can get there. Empower yourself so you can reach the can. Don't limit yourself so that way it seems like you can't. Right. So That was like the first thing that I had to learn. And then from there, it was like, okay, I know that I can do anything. That gets rid of the limitations, but then you also have fear of risk, right? Right. And so in order to temper or kind of hamper that fear of risk, I'll share a quick story, which is the, the fear of risk when we're afraid of failing is like, what if I get fired? What if I don't get hired? What if I do a bad job? What if I get a bad review? What if I make a big mistake and everybody at the company or the school or whatever environment you're in hates me, right? For me, it was like, okay, I'm grounded enough in myself that I'm not really worried. Like if I make a big mistake and people don't like me, like I'll move on. That wasn't something I needed to think about. What I did need to think about is, okay, what if I lose my job? So that was the fear, the risk that I had to manage. And I was able to come to a place where it was like, okay, what happens if I do lose my job? And the story goes one day I was walking into a Panda express actually, which is funny because we were talking about Panda express (laughs) earlier. (laughs) So I was walking into a Panda express and on the front door, it had a now hiring sign and it was, they were trying to hire managers. And I think the salary was like $60,000. Well, ironically, Like the year before something, I had a school project where I had to map out my budget as an adult, like what would it look like and what did I need to live off of? And I knew that I could live off of that $60,000 because what I actually needed in that project was less than that. And so when I saw that I could be a manager at Panda Express for $60,000 and I knew internally that I had the skills to do that, I was like, all right, game over. Like, I never need to be afraid of failing or losing my job or not having opportunities. I know that I have it within me to clear my path and to move forward and to be able to take care of myself like financially and career-wise. And so once that fear was erased and I knew that I could learn anything, then it's like, all right, let's go. What do I want to do? And then, then it comes back to what you're saying, being present with yourself and saying, okay, this is what's happening right now. Do I like it? I not? And if you like it, then keep going. And if you don't, then switch to something else. And when you do that enough over time, you're going to understand what your passions are, where you want to put your energy, get clear on what your purpose is. And then that'll just continue to guide you throughout life.
0: Right. I think uh, well, one thing I really loved you touching on there is just the idea of failure. And I think that just getting from one place to your destination it takes failure. And I know everyone says that, but I, I'll, I'll use an analogy here, right? So you're you're driving your car and you have a destination right? I'm going, let's say tonight I'm going to the Nuggets game. So I want to drive to ball arena. So I'm going to get from point A to point B. I know where my destination is, how am I going to get there? And I kind of view, you know, the mirrors to look behind you as your past failures, mm-hmm. you know? And you can't just drive just your mirrors because you can't look forward if <laughs> you're just looking at your mirrors. And so, you know, dwelling on your failures isn't going to help you get where you're going. But knowing about them, I think that every time you fail, you add another mirror to your car that's going to help you avoid those obstacles while you're going Uh. from point A to point B. You know, Uh. and the more mirrors you have, the the better chance you are that you're going to make it from point to A, point B successfully because you've seen what you've done in the past, you've seen those mistakes, you've learned from them, and it's just going to help you go forward. But more important, more most importantly here. Is that the biggest idea is that you are always looking forward right while you're driving i mean you do check your mirrors but most of the time you are looking forward i think that is the biggest takeaway is to not dwell in those those fears and things that will keep you away from pushing forward because if you're not looking forward you're not investing in yourself right mm-hmm. and that ties back to what we were talking about earlier is that in order to, to succeed always be investing in yourself always look forward and I don't think that fear is necessarily a bad thing. Like, like you said, the fear of failure, because if you're not afraid of it, to me, that just means you don't care. And I think that that idea of, you know, caring is, is half the babble right there. Like you said, you know, finding, finding your passion and finding something that you truly care about is difficult, but it's, i think that that's maybe one of the hardest things is, you know, another thing about us as humans is that we don't enjoy doing things that we aren't good at. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to find a passion for something that you don't have a baseline, you know, at least proficient level skill at. One thing about me is, I'm like you, we opened the show talking about how I play a lot of sports and I'm not a necessarily fast person. I am tall, but, you know, I don't have a lot of the athletic ability that a lot of people do. I'm usually probably the slowest guy out on the basketball court every time we play. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm starting off with all these disadvantages and, You know, I I don't think that 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 doesn't push me away from it. It does create that, you know, fear of what if I just suck and what if I let the other four guys that are out there on the basketball court down because I'm not fast enough, you know, because I didn't have that eight slide skill. But I think in in that way, I'm going to control the things that I can and the things that I can control is that I'm going to be the hardest working player on that floor every time I go out there. So that when we leave, you know, maybe we do fail. Maybe we do get smoked and maybe the guy beats me to beat us, you know. At least I will leave there knowing that I put my best foot forward in that failing situation. And then I can look back on how I lost and figure out how I'm going to do better next time. I just, I think that is a good analogy for me. I've I've never been a, a great shooter, great ball handler. But one thing I can guarantee is that I will be the hardest working defensive player out there. You know, that that is how I succeed in basketball. Uh and I'm I think that we can apply that to every other stage of life and in terms of not starting something because you don't have that baseline skill of whatever it may be. Find the things that you can control within that. I mean it's not like I'm just gonna wake up tomorrow and just be faster than I, than I was yesterday. <laughs> you know, I guess there's some small things like I could work on there to get faster, but I'll never be the fastest guy in the basketball court. So one of the things that I can't control, let me focus on those things. Mm-hmm. I can focus on on defense. I'm gonna stay in front of my guy because that that doesn't take all this speed or anything. It just takes hard work and technique and those things I can work on. So find those things within whatever it is that you're doing there that you may be afraid, that you may let everyone down control the things that you can't control because the things you can't control, you can't do anything about those anyways.
1: It's such a powerful statement, but it's just so funny to listen to it because it's like the things you can't control, you can't control.
0: Right. Right.
1: (laughs) Well, duh. But at the same time, like so many people don't internalize that. And we still again and again, try and control all these different elements about ourselves, about our lives definitely others and how they're responding and reacting in life. It's like, nah, you're not going to find peace that way. You're not going to find your purpose that way. You're not going to gain clarity that way. Right.
0: Right. Right. And I think one of the biggest things that we can, we can control in our daily lives every day is organization. That's, that's one of the biggest things that I believe will help anyone succeed is just to be organized in your everyday life. If you know, the physical things around you aren't organized. How can you expect you, yourself to be organized in achieving mm-hmm. the goals that you want to achieve? Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone needs to find their own way of being organized. I mean, I know, I know I've got friends that love organized chaos, which I don't know how they do that, <laughs> but that's the way they work. Um, me and myself, I I need everything in a specific line. Like Everything needs to be parallel to each other on my desk. You know, I'm not that kind of organized, but... You know, just being organized, that's that's something that I take pride in and I consider myself a winner in that sense, because that is something I can control every day. If I don't wake up and organize and get myself organized before I need to get something done, then I've already lost the battle. You know? Mm-hmm. So waking up and winning in those things that you can control, I think is is a great first step in moving towards winning in every facet of life.
1: So I want to dive into the nitty-gritty of how you organize your life for anyone who's needing some tips. Before we do that, do you tie organization to an investment in yourself?
0: I guess, I guess if we're going to break down the word investment and what really investment in yourself means is just creating the best version of yourself tomorrow. What do I want to look like tomorrow? When, When I wake up at the or when I'm going to bed at the end of the day and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I'm trying to see how did I better myself today? You know, and, and I want to have an answer. If I don't have an answer, then it was a waste of a day, right? <laughs> and it, it can be, you know, even the smallest things. I cleaned my room today. So tomorrow when I wake up, I might have a clean room. So yeah. I bettered myself for tomorrow, right? <laughs> and so even this the smallest, smallest things doesn't need to be big things. Those, those are really what um, I think I mean, by investing in yourself through organization is organization can be one of those things that betters yourself for tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So you have a whiteboard that helps keep you organized. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. And then any other tips and tricks, maybe a daily routine or just your mindset about how you keep yourself organized? Because it's not only about organizing our lives outside of ourselves, whether it be our house or through a planner or our calendar, but it's also a sense of internal organization as well. So I know I kind of covered a lot. Let's start with your whiteboard first.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I've got right above my desk, I have a whiteboard calendar that I update for every month, but that's kind of where I keep everything that I have going on in my day-to-day life that isn't repetitive. I'd, I'd put it that way. So things that aren't you know, scheduled every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have this class that wouldn't go up on my calendar, right? That's, that's in my calendar, my phone, that's a different, <laughs> different calendar. I've got calendars everywhere to stay organized. But you know, just starting with the whiteboard to make sure it part of it is about, you know, that intentionality of I, I realize that I have free time, how can I be more intentional with my time to go meet new people? And I like keeping it right in front of me at all times, you know, while I'm working, just so I can, I can see, you know, that that plan, that organization of reaching that goal. What, whatever the goal may be, right now, my goal is just to wake up a better person every day than I was before. And, you know, that's extremely broad, but what what I what I don't like is when people tell you that your goals are too broad. Because they're never too broad.
1: <laughs> yes, amen. <exactly. laughs> right?
0: If you have a goal and, you know, being better tomorrow is about as broad as it can get. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, that's my goal and I'm gonna organize myself. And, to get there, and that's that's kind of where I like my whiteboard just to make sure I stay on top of my things. It staying organized for me helps me at least completely reduce stress. And I think stress is one of the biggest things that can block us from moving forward into becoming more successful. Anyways, off of that tangent, uh, and some other things that I use to keep myself organized I use an app called iStudies Pro, but basically, it just it links my computer to my iPad to my phone, and that's where I keep all my repetitive tasks and then I can make checklists for them. I am a huge checklist person. (laughs) And this kind of ties back to the idea of, you know, capitalizing on your wins. I like checklists because when I finish something, I can physically check it off. Mm -hmm. And that physical motion of checking something off allows me to internalize capitalizing on that win, right? Because if you don't do anything, you just get it done, move on to the next thing. You didn't really... I know it sounds stupid, just that two seconds just to check it off. For some reason, for me at least, that's what gives me that feeling of I did that. Now let's move on to the next thing, and I'm gonna move on to that next thing with a big smile on my face because I just won something, right? And so whatever that may be for you, I know not everybody's a checklist person, but I think that finding a way to capitalize and take a step back and realize and to you know enjoy those wins is is important whether that's a checklist or you just do that innately, I think that's important. So checklists are big. Um, if you've never tried it, I would highly recommend doing checklists. So do a lot of those. And then other than that, if I have a really busy day, I'll just make a detailed schedule of my day, you know, just on a piece of paper. I just now thinking about that while I say, it, I've probably done this 20 plus times and not once have I stuck to the schedule. <laughs> At least it, it keeps my, my, I can wake up in the morning and I can write out and know everything that I can expect for the day so that at least I'm prepared. I think preparedness is something also, you know, I mean, it's different if you're meeting someone for the first time, but another point in being, I guess, geez, I'm already forgetting the word that we keep using, uh, being present. Sorry, uh, being present. That is part of being present is being prepared. Right? If, if you're going to go talk to somebody and you, they've been on your calendar for three weeks, you could be as present as possible. But if you didn't prepare to go meet that person, then I mean, you just weren't as present as you could be. And so I think that that's part of the organization thing as well. I like seeing things before they come so I can be prepared when, when it does get there.
1: I almost wonder if being present is part of preparation, mm-hmm. right? It's like bringing your energy in. So even if I'm just meeting you for coffee, like what do I really have to prepare for? But still there is a sense of preparation of, okay, I'm not thinking about anything else. Again, I'm coming back to that mindset of I'm just having coffee with Jonah. All my energy is here. My attention's here. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to contribute. And I'm not coming with um, expectations. I'm not coming with preconceived notions of, here's what I'm going to say. These are the stories that I want to tell him. I'm just allowing the conversation to flow because sometimes we do that too, right? Where, especially if we're talking to someone that we're not as comfortable with, we'll have these, you know, oh my goodness, how do I fill the time? Okay, I guess we could talk about that. I guess we'll talk about this, right? And that's not being present either. So what I'm hearing you say is, even if there's nothing specifically to prepare for, part of the act of preparation is becoming present.
0: Right. 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 I, I would a hundred percent agree with that. I just, I think that I mean, even just thinking about it before you go and just knowing that that is on your schedule for the day. I mean, just, just the fact of, I know for me, when I'm late for class and running to class, it already affects my ability to learn in class. When, when I show up, you know, on time and I know my class schedule inside and out, it takes away your mind from racing to those 4,000 different things you have going on in the day. If If I'm sitting here, you know, doing this podcast and I don't know what the rest of my day looks like, it gives my mind an opportunity to wander, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, we're trying to take those away and that's, that's going to reduce the stress and we're, we're not all perfect. My mind wanders all the time too. And, you know, being present is something that I'm definitely still working on. But like I said, those things that you can control, I can control knowing what my day looks like. And so I'm going to know that going into any place I can, because that's going to reduce something that's going to, you know, pop up in my head. But there there are plenty of things you also can't control that people will distract you. But at least those things that you can control them as much as you can.
1: I want to comment on the checklist because it sounded like when you're checking something off, it may not be as much about checking it off as you're checking yourself Mm -hmm. and making sure that, again, you're present to what you just accomplished and you're consciously acknowledging, I just did this. All right. Cool. And whether you want to celebrate or you just move on to the next thing, it's still about recognizing consciously and acknowledging yourself. So many times we want to be seen, acknowledged, recognized, praised, heard by other people, but this is really your way to acknowledge yourself.
0: I, I agree with that. I think that you know, part of the whole checklist thing as well for me is to ensure that I put my whole heart into something because it's almost you know that second step of is this really done or is it halfway done? You know, and there's a lot of things, you know, that we we do every day that sometimes, you know, you just have to do it. I put the dishes in the dishwasher, but I don't want to hand wash today, so I'm not going to hand wash. But then I go look at my checklist and it says, did you do the dishes? And then I look at it, and it's like, no, I didn't do the dishes because there's still dishes to wash, you know? And, you know, I think it's part of that is just holding me accountable to be proud of the work that I did do. You know, if if it's on my checklist, it's kind of that second thing. I look at it. And if I am proud of my work, then I'm going to check it off and be happy with it. If I'm not proud of my work, then it doesn't deserve to be checked off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think it's almost, you know, that second step of validation. First, you tell yourself you're done. Then you go check it off to say that you're done. that's, That's a way to do it when especially, I mean, tying this back to we were talking about earlier of going to college is your first step of there's no one watching over your shoulder. And you need to be your biggest advocate looking over your own shoulder. It's really easy to live by yourself and just become lazy and not do anything. you know. And you got to find a way to motivate yourself to do things to the best of your ability without anyone watching. And I think that checklisting is a way to help do that for myself, at least. I'm looking to make myself proud for the work that I do, not anybody else. I'm making myself proud with that work. And so... I'm my own judge. I create my own rubric. I give out my own grades. And I think that's <laughs> that's part of the checklist for me.
1: <laughs> so I could see someone leveraging this system to seek perfection. Mm-hmm. Or to, I used to do this. Um the behavior didn't change too long ago. Like probably the last 10 years of my life, I've been doing this, where you kind of like horse whip yourself, right? Where you're like, come on, like just do this. Like I have really, really strong high expectations of myself. And especially if someone's a perfectionist, they could say, okay, yes, you kind of did the dishes, but was every single molecule of food <laughs> off of them? No, like, come on, self, go back and do it and just kind of like grind yourself into the ground. Yeah. I don't get that vibe from you. So how do you still use this to hold yourself accountable, but not move into a place of, Jonah, do better. don't you got to do this, this pressure, pressure, stress, right?
0: Right, right. I think that... The way that I don't turn, I, I would say there are some things I am a perfectionist about, but the things that I'm not a perfectionist about is that I think it really just does come from you have to be able to do that, you know, practice of looking yourself in the mirror every day and saying, How did I do better? Because A lot of times it's not going to be perfect. A lot of the work you do is not going to be perfect. I mean, half the stuff I turn in for class, I get, you know, it's, I don't think I've ever gotten 100%. It's never perfect. But was I happy with the effort that I put into it and the result that I'm getting out of it? Yes. And I think that's that's going to be another battle for me, you know, going into the future. Like you said, in in school, they're not going to fire you, right? You may fail a class, but they're going to let you retake it. Also, you're just so consistently... I guess used to winning, getting A's, mm. B's, C's, passing classes because in in school that's that's just kind of what you're ingrained to. Is A's are great, B's are good, just push those, get those, and if you do anything less then that's a fail, right? Mm-hmm. And like, what are you doing? You're hurting your GPA. When we get to the real world, which I have not really experienced yet full force, um, but you have, Catherine. It's those, those failures do become real and they become a lot more, I guess, often and more frequent. Uh, and you I am trying to be okay with the failure. I think that's kind of my next step in my progression, uh, going into this new stage of life, but that's, you gotta find a way to be okay with the failures because they set you up for the success. And I think Mm -hmm. if you consistently tell yourself that over and over again and actually believe it, then you can use failures as a as a plus, yes, go going forward. But it's going back to the perfectionist talk, then that's that's kind of what I view it as there's there's two ways. Did I win or did I lose? Because there there really is no in-between. For me, since like I said, you I create my rubric, those are my two rubrics. Win, lose. (laughs) (laughs) Competitor in my nature, that's that's just how I look at things. And so yeah, I mean if there are some things where I just don't need to put 100 percent effort into it. And I know we all have those things in our lives that they're just mundane tasks. If they don't end up perfect, they're not perfect. And you know, it's not the end of the world. But in that rubric, I grade myself and I give myself a win because I did it to where my standards are. And I think that as long as you have your own set of standards and don't change them because of the environment that you're around, I think that's also an important key to this is that, you know, it's, it's easy to wake up today, and you know, work really hard and wake up tomorrow and be the laziest person in the world. And then you could say that, yeah, because I'm my own grader, tomorrow I'm so going to give myself an A because <laughs> you know, I'm my own grader and I like A's and I like to win. So, you know, sticking, having that, you know, way that you view yourself and having those standards for yourself and meeting them with everything that you do every single day and not wavering on that just because tomorrow I might be sleepy or whatever it may be. You know, the having those set of standards for yourself and holding yourselves to those is how you can, I guess, go away from that perfectionist idea.
1: Yeah. I want to hone in on something you said, which is, you know, we can kind of make up our own rubrics because, oh, today I feel tired and tomorrow, I don't know, <laughs> like I'm busy. And that's a pattern that I've seen within myself where I would just grind, 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 grind. Like I'm just hustling, doing all these things. And I would come to a place where I'm like, oh man, like I just... I need a break. Like, I just want to sleep. But then because I've created this cadence in my life, that's like, go, go, go. If I stop and usually I want to stop for like a decent amount of, of time. And it really depends. I mean, it, it could be an hour. It could be a couple of days, whatever. It depends on the situation, but it's significant enough to where all these other things start piling up. And then I used to just, as I said before, kind of with myself I'm like, no, you have to keep going. Like you can't stop. a little bit stubborn in that way. And so how, like when we're dealing with that cadence, there's gotta be a healthy balance. And that's something that I've, I'm trying to learn and really it's things like eating and sleep and taking care of your needs. If you need to go to the gym or whatever, that actually has allowed me to rebalance that what's working for you. So that way either you don't feel burnout or when you do feel burnout, how are you handling that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think So I'm reading a book right now for one of my classes, but it was actually written by the CEO of Salesforce. And the first chapter, the first section of it is he's talking about taking time off. You have to take time off because if you don't take time off, it's just a negative domino. It's just going to fall on everyone else around you. And that's really not what you want to do. So I think it's finding ways to be productive in relaxation. And so what I I mean by that is for myself in particular, let's say right now, like playing the guitar, that's not necessarily productive for my professional career, but you know, that's that's something that I like to do to relax. And it's still for me being productive, I'm still bettering myself. I, I see learning how to play the guitar as an asset that I'll have for the rest of my life. And I think that's cool. So I'm gonna spend my relaxation, I'm still bettering myself. Or let's say, you know, going and playing sports. I love playing sports. It's not going to help me get a job, but, (laughs) you know, I love playing sports and that's how I choose to relax. And all these little things is while I'm relaxing, I'm learning and getting better at those things that I'm relaxing at. And I think part of that not only just builds my self-confidence, but it just it does give me the relaxation that I need. I know that we all can relax in different ways. I mean, at the end of my day, I always watch a TV show because that's how I can, you know, really wind down and that's not productive for me, but I need that in my life. I need that time and we all need those certain things, but I'd say definitely find ways in which you can relax and still continue to better yourself mm-hmm. um, because like I said, it, it does confidence is so key in, in the world that we live in and people can feel it. It is contagious really Just I mean, it just brings people together when one person knows that he he can win, you know? And it's almost, I mean, Deion Sanders, now at CU, I've, I've never seen anything like it, a 1-11 football team last year. I know because I was there every game and we were miserable. But, <laughs> you know, going from a 1-11 team and now Deion Sanders, one guy comes in and he classifies himself as a winner. He's lost plenty of games before, but he he is a winner. And he brings that attitude. He brings that confidence that we're going to be good now. Just one guy. And now the whole city the whole state of colorado believes in it Mm -hmm. believes in it wants to watch CU football i mean they're gonna sell out of tickets by like midsummer you know it's like the one guy just believing and having that confidence can make a huge i think everyone can can take a you know a a page out of that book and just building their own confidence even through relaxation
1: yeah it is interesting how winners can still be losers you said Mm -hmm. that i love that phrase because so often we think that winners always win. And I could even imagine in your reference of the CU football team, those guys, those players, they could probably put a lot of internal pressure on themselves to be like, wow, there's some big expectations. We always have to be winning. And when they get that first loss, it could choose to crush some and others are gonna have a different mindset. Maybe something closer to what you're saying where it's like, all right, that's just part of the game. That's part of learning. So I think you highlight something that's really key is winners still lose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a great point. And it's also doesn't mean that you should be okay with losing. And mm-hmm. I don't want it to, to sound like that. I mean, I, there's, I like winning, but I hate losing. That's one thing everybody knows about me. I mean, if we, if we lose an athletic game, it could be whatever. I'm not a happy camper. Right. And I'm not saying that you should be happy with losing, but losing should be a tool to fuel yourself to, I guess, just do better. When when, when you're angry, you know, playing basketball, if, if I get three fouls called on me from a ref that I don't think were real fouls, right, that's going to make me angry. But you have two choices when you're in that stage is to fuel into that anger, fuel into that loss in a sense of now I'm going to be sad, now I'm going to take my anger out on this referee. Or you can turn that into fueling yourself to, I'm going to play better now. I'm like, I'm mad and I'm going to take this right to the rim because I'm mad and I'm going to score this basket, you know, (laughs) whatever it may be. Use that energy to fuel fuel yourself to succeed instead of take a step back. And it's, it's hard to do, especially in the moment when you're feeling intense emotion. Intense emotion. I know a lot of us felt that at some point in our lives where it just seems like you are in such a big hole. It's hard to, you know, climb out. But that—that's part of the whole, you know. Going back to that car reference, gotta look forward, and you have to use everything else around you as you know your guardrails of staying in in your lane. You know, seeing those things around you in your environment that may come up and creep out of nowhere.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: at the same time, we have to always look forward, always look forward, because the minute you get stuck looking back, you're gonna hit something in front of you.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, wherever your focus goes, energy flows. And so if you're looking at the pole that you might hit as you're driving down the road, (laughs) you're going to hit the pole. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, it's crazy. I have learned so much about basketball from you and others lately. And it really seems like that's a really good sport where you can tell that character matters. It's not about how tall or how short or how long your arms are. It's about character and how you're showing up, especially as you said in that moment when you could be defeated by the ref making that call or you could say, all right, like I'm mad, but I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna use this energy to handle it into something else. Right,
0: right, because that, and that's a great, I guess, example that I think about it of turning something that you can't control. I can't control whether the ref's gonna blow his whistle or not, but I can control my, my game. And so those things aren't, I wanna say independent They can, you can bring them together in a way of, I couldn't control this and I lost it and that pissed me off. So I'm going to do better at things I can't control because, you know, this is giving me more energy. I think that's another thing that we've talked about is how do you wake up every day with all this energy is that it should be those things that you were doing within the day that give you energy. yes If you are not surrounding yourself by people and things around you that fuel you with energy, I personally don't believe you're doing the right things Mm -hmm. and so that those should be the things that you should bring you energy and fuel that energy in the right places
1: okay i love this topic because this was a really hard lesson in my life and when i say hard it wasn't hard it just took me a long time and i'm bummed that it took me this long and so knowing that consciously is hard but i used to associate growth with struggle So if I am just grinding through my day, if I'm barely sleeping, barely eating, hustling, doing all of these things, and it viscerally feels like a challenge, like a push, then I must be growing, right? It's like when you're working out and you're doing your arm, right? And it feels hard, you're pushing, you must be growing. And I finally realized that that's not the case. If you are strategic, if you are intentional, if you hold yourself accountable, and your present, everything we're talking about, you can do a ton of things in your day and not have to feel stressed at the end of it, but rather feel fueled and ready for the next day.
0: Right. I think part of that is just it builds excitement of what tomorrow looks like. Mm. And then that's part of the investment in yourself is when you do continuously invest in yourself, you're excited to see what tomorrow looks like. You're excited to see what the future holds from you. because. Because you hold yourself to that standard of every day, I'm going to get better. I mean, for me myself, that's what makes me so excited about every stage of life. Is that I know in ten years I'm going to be awesome, right? Because oh if, gosh, I, if I yeah. stick to what I keep doing, it's going to be great. <laughs> and what am I going to be doing? I have no clue. Yeah, <laughs> and that's completely fine, you know. And that's that's the biggest takeaway here is that you know just always invest in yourself, and you don't need to know what tomorrow looks like, but just continuously get better. Because that's what fuels me. What fuels me is at the end of my day, yeah, let's say it was a 16-hour day, a long, long day, and you're just tired going to bed. And yeah, when I when I say energy, it doesn't mean that you're not tired, right? Because we all get tired. But energy in the sense of, I'm excited for tomorrow because I just put in 16 hours of bettering myself. And tomorrow, I'm going to use those skills.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's this common trend that I've noticed among Gen Z. And just People in general, maybe it's because of the pandemic. I don't know where it's stemming from. I'm not that hip, but I've noticed that, like, not working and not putting in that effort and just kind of checking out of either a job, school, life, whatever, not having that accountability is almost trendy right now. What are your thoughts on that? And what would you say to people who are taking their life down that road?
0: Definitely. I think that right. I'm going to give you the selfish answer here because this is what I believe. But <laughs> selfishly, right now, our generation, if you are willing to put in the effort and work hard, we have a great advantage right now because of those people who aren't willing to put in that work and effort. So if you're kind of on that teetering side right now of, is it really worth the effort to put it in? Right now, I mean, you're hearing it. That's what people think about our generation. So if you're the one to prove them wrong, not only to, are you the hard worker, You are that person that, oh, I don't think, I didn't think that person could do that. We look around and, you know, you become that one person who's doing the things that other people can't. Whereas in our past, I mean, I look at my parents and their their lifestyle growing up, all they knew was working all the time. And that was just standard. So, you know, having a hard work ethic back then was just expected. But today having that, it just gives you so much more of an advantage. So I mean, yes, that is sad for our generation as a whole that we don't have that same push and willingness to, I guess, grind it out. But it does give you an opportunity. If you are one of the few that do, you're gonna go so much farther. I think another thing that kind of ties into that is now everybody works from home. And I think we've seen a trend within just business and professional life in general, working from home that people are kind of used to their eight hour day, you know, just clocking in and you know, relaxing, doing the bare minimum, scraping by, I think just for professionals in general too, what an opportunity for you to go above and beyond. I know for me, myself, when I work from home, I can get so much more done. And that can turn one of two ways. Either I'm going to use that now free time to just relax and do whatever in my job now that I have all of this extra free time so I can get my work done faster. Or you could go the other way and say that, I'm going to use this extra time to just further pursue what I want to do with this company. I'm going to further pursue my relationships with the clients that I'm working. With. I'm going to use this time to be more intentional with my coworkers, get to know them better, whatever that may be. Just what an opportunity that we have right now because of the environment that we're in.
1: You make so many good points. So the way that I see it set up now is basically you're encouraged and promoted as someone who will stand out if you fall into that culture of not working, not trying hard, checking out of life. I mean, I can't tell you how many like TikTok videos I've seen of young people being like, I quit my job and I'm staying at home and my mom doesn't know. And and I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, Okay. Why are you proud of that? I mean, there's certain situations in which someone may need to do that. And I'm not referencing those. I'm just talking about this general attitude of being proud that you're checking out and really to what you're saying, Jonah is actually because so many people are choosing that. Mm-hmm. If you choose to check in, mm-hmm. you just got an easy ticket right. to ride. Like exactly. <laughs> It's a perfect setup. And not only that, but we have all this technology, all of this information. I mean, you could be running four businesses at once all from your couch and, and be changing things, having an impact without barely lifting a finger. And yet what right. we're deciding is to still sit on the same couch and then just like binge watch things. And I don't know, it just, it doesn't match <laughs> my character, I guess. So I have a really hard time understanding it.
0: Yeah, I think that technology has definitely given us a much easier path to go either direction to become the best selves of us that we can be, or just to become completely lazy. Mm -hmm. And both those options are very viable today. And don't get me wrong, I love binge watching TV shows. I'm binge watching Ozark right now, and it's great. But but I also want to make sure that I do have that balance. Balance is key, and everyone's gonna have their own different balance. So I bet people um, at KPMG, a couple of the partners, I mean, they work all day, every day, and that's the balance that they like. No, I look at their lifestyle that that's what brings them joy. And I don't want to say that that's wrong because that's what they love doing. Some some people may just have different balances that that they need to fit their own needs and I don't I think everyone just needs to find that balance for themselves and mm-hmm. you know stick to that balance. Don't don't let yourself become more lazy than that balance that you're okay with. Mm-hmm. And uh yes, I that, I think that that's what keeps yourself grounded into allowing yourself to become successful.
1: Now, that's a really beautiful point, Jenna. It's all about your own journey. People are going to have different balances. Like if we were to put it on a scale, someone's going to be way on the other side. Someone's going to be on the opposite side. It doesn't matter. It's not about comparing those two. It's just mm-hmm. being present with yourself and saying, okay, let me really develop self-awareness and know who I am and figure out what makes me happy? What what satisfies me to where I don't need to be searching and comparing myself to other people, other lifestyles, trying to look like her, trying to be like him, whatever. And that's going to be different for everyone. And that comes back to what you were saying, like learning, figuring out what are you interested in. And it seems like you've developed quite a bit of self-awareness. That takes some work to do. I don't know that everybody has that. Mm-hmm. Could you... Go into your journey of how did you develop this self-awareness and just coming to this place of maturity and emotional intelligence that you are today?
0: Yeah, I think that I, I've I've heard somewhere, I don't know if this is factual or not, but it takes like 90 days to build a good habit, right? And so 90 days doesn't seem like very long, you know, in the big scheme of things. So I thought might as well just to put my best foot forward every day for 90 days. And I adopted something called Yes Theory. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before. Any of these listeners have heard um, of Yes Theory before, but the idea behind it is just to say yes to anything and everything. Whether you're going to hate it, love it, you know, whatever, just say yes to everything. <laughs> so I adopted this for 90 days just to see how hard I could push myself. And I knew at the end of the 90 days, I'm going to be burnt out just because that's what I wanted It's only ninety days. I can I can deal with that. But getting an idea of what it's like to do that straight for ninety days will help you kind of find that balance um, of this is how much I'm okay with doing. But you won't know until you hit that level, you know. And it's it's kind of impressive. I never thought I could do as much as I can get done in the day. I mean, I I always thought oh the day is never long enough, right? But it really is if you organize it correctly and you know your limits. I mean you. it it is long enough and you can get done a lot, a lot of things within, as you know, a 24 hour period. So I guess growing, how did I get myself there is I, you just gotta try it, gotta try it. You have to try everything. I mean, you can't just wake up and just decide that you're now going to just find this balance. And I know this balance, you have to be able to try it and figure out, oh, maybe I need more things to do right now. And then slowly add until you get to that level or, you know, start at the other extreme, start with a lot and then just cut down to, you know, that, that perfect amount that works for you. I mean, I'm very much a kind of scientific method thinker, you know, you have an hypothesis, test it out. If it doesn't work, try it again a different way. And, you know, that's that's kind of how you're gonna find that own balance for yourself. It's not some, you know, magical thing. I think that we can all test it and find it for ourselves. I just gotta find a way to do it.
1: Yeah. I love that guess theory. How did you change after those 90 days?
0: How did I change? I changed. I feel like I changed a lot. First of all, I realized that I have a lot more energy than I thought I had. What I realized is that when you are being lazy, because I mean, I've had my lazy times before, you know, you go into these slumps of life where you just become lazy for a little bit. But when I find myself being lazy, I think I don't have any energy at all. And it's hard to break out of that habit cycle. Like I said, 90 days to break a bad habit. If you are being lazy, it's going to take 90 days to, you know, gain the energy back. Even if you are doing those things, you're still going to be exhausted. But if you push hard for 90 days and just say yes to everything, you're going to feel that energy probably a little bit more than you would like to, but you're definitely going to feel the energy that's coming from, you know, just all those different life experiences. And I think that that was a big t- takeaway from the yes theory. It's that. Even though the first one, thirty days and sixty days, and didn't really feel like I had the energy and the capability to do so, doing it for ninety days, I felt it, and I now realize that when I was lazy, I was using you know tiredness as an excuse to not you know do anything. It just takes time to break that cycle, break that habit. I know there's I mean, with anything that you do in life, there's always so many reasons to make an excuse why not to do something. It just takes a long time to build that habit. And so take the time to build the habit. You know, don't, don't quit 30 days in, 60 days in. Build the habit because once you do, now it's like if I'm sitting there on the couch for, you know, three hours doing nothing. I'm feeling, well, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you were saying as well, binge watching isn't your thing and you don't know how people can just sit there and watch TV all day. And it's because you have that innate feeling inside you. Of, I've done this for so long. This now feels weird. You know, being lazy feels weird. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel relaxing. What feels relaxing, you know, to is to go do things that are bettering yourself. And mm-hmm. you know, that's what relaxation feels like, but you have to build that habit. And so I, I think that was my biggest takeaway from the yes theory.
1: Yeah. Wow. I love that. It is true that we can either build the habit of being lazy or build the habit of not and having mm-hmm. that energy. I think the key statement or the key piece of the statement that you just made is once you, right? It takes that 90 days, but once you go through that process, now it's there. You have that energy, you have that momentum. It's always easier to keep something in momentum. It's harder to get that momentum, but once you get it, now you're just flowing and going, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's, a lot of times, I think you just have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Um, that's part of. I mean, for for myself, I mean, I look at my story and kind of you you had asked kind of how how have you seen yourself mature and think that the world in general just gives you a life plan before you're even born, right? And I was put into a good high school where most students are expected, you know, to go to college, and this is your plan. You go to college for four years, you graduate. And then you go work the rest of your life till you're 65 and retire, right? That's that's kind of just the plan. And yeah. so I first started off, you know, I, I'm definitely a younger one in my class. Uh, so I'm I'm a young kid, and I'm also graduating in three years. So I'm I'm 20 years old and a senior. So like <laughs> the only one there. But part of that is that since I that isn't you know the, the normal plan. I didn't stay for four years. I think most students graduate when they're 22, 23, and that sort of uh, age range there. But that that does bring fear of, should I be doing this? Because nobody else is doing this. If nobody else is doing this, then it must not work, right? Or there's got to be some reason that nobody else is doing this. Mm -hmm. And you can apply that to really everything else. But I think part of just stepping out of the comfort zone that you're currently in, Helps you learn so much more about yourself, and that's that's also part of yes theory. That's probably the whole idea behind yes theory is to push yourself outside of your comfort zone, but doing things that challenge the norms of how people tell you how to live your life versus how you want to live your life. I think that's how you really find yourself and find that emotional intelligence um, that can help you. You know, just figure figure out who yourself yourself is. I think that's that's huge. The biggest two things in college: learning how to learn and finding out who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that it's it's not this piece of paper that I'm gonna get that says finance on it or (laughs) whatever. Maybe like that's that's a nice perk of college, but that's not the reason I'm there. You know, and and so finding finding myself and taking every opportunity to do so by putting myself outside of my comfort zone has definitely shaped that.
1: Wow, I feel like every university should hire you as their marketing campaign manager, because (laughs) you just said that with such clarity. I think if people could really understand that when they're freshmen and they're coming into school of like, okay, I'm here to learn how to learn. And I'm here to find out who I am. Then it's funny because their days would probably look the same. They'd still go to class and then they'd still party after, Mm -hmm. but you have different intentionality. You're going to class, not to get an A, but to learn how to learn. And you are having fun afterwards, not to just kind of like lose yourself or find yourself or find your tribe, whatever. I feel like there's a lot of searching that happens, but you would be intentionally searching to understand who you are.
0: Right, right. I mean, it's kind of funny. You go back to the the grades of not searching for a grade. I mean, I went into college searching for A's in every class. That's, that's what I was looking for. I mean, yes, I was also figuring out what learning style works best for me. But at the same time, that was my primary focus is this GPA meets everything, right? No one's going to hire me if I have this, this GPA, that's the thought you have going in. And I don't, I'm trying to think of, you know, when that really changed for me and making that switch over to learning being the key. But I think it's probably just experience, just talking to a bunch of professionals in their careers, just saying, yeah, I got my degree in physics and now I'm working in, you know, bioscience or whatever it is, like completely different fields. Like you'd have to go to a completely different school to Mm -hmm. get the knowledge for that, like not even in the same realm. And so I think that's where the big switch was for me of why am I looking so hard to get this A that really doesn't really matter. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm on my resume, I'm going to have, I graduated from CU Boulder and that's all that matters. I have Mm -hmm. a certificate that says that I passed my classes. But you know, once what the incredible thing about it is is once I started learning how to learn, instead of, you know, searching for the A, first of all, took a ton of stress off me just because you know I'm not sitting there watching my grade go up and down every day. But it actually helped I got the best grades I've ever gotten now that I've switched to this mindset. And oh, wow. I barely even look at my grades. So like wow. I think it's it's a combination of de stressing because part of what makes school so hard is looking at grades because that's what's going to build you this rest. That's what's going to make you think about that and not be intentional and fully present there when you're taking a test. I know that learning how to learn for me has shown me in a lot of my classes in, you know, in the real world, there isn't multiple choice answers, right? It's not, oh, so tomorrow your boss, I'm going to put something on your desk and it's not going to be a test, right? It's going to be, I'm asking you to do something. What is the actual insight here? And when you're thinking about a grade, you're thinking about what bubble you're going to circle because circling the right bubble is all that matters. Mm -hmm. But when you're thinking about learning how to learn, you're thinking about the material in itself in a way that I'm not thinking of the material of how is this going to turn into a test question. It's how can I actually understand this material to put it into practice? And so when you learn something at that level versus just looking for a grade, I think that's when you actually start understanding the material. And I think that's why I've been so successful with grades in that sense, versus, you know, searching for the grade.
1: Wow. If everyone could have that structure when they go into school of understanding, learning how to learn, discover yourself, don't focus on the grades, and try anything and everything, I feel like the experience would be drastically different. And based on what you're saying, it is, it's less stressful. It's more meaningful. You feel more satisfied. And the irony in it is it is actually a closer replica of the way your life is going to be once you're outside of college. No one ever cares about what my degrees are. They don't care about my GPA. It's, do I have a rapport with them? Do they trust me? Are they confident that I have ability to learn new things, to derive insights, to make good decisions, that I'm not going to, you know, cost the company billions of dollars or that if I do, (laughs) I'm able to recover it, right?
0: Right, right.
1: That's what they're looking for. No one is ever hired because they have all of the skills that the company is looking for. There's got to be a little bit of alignment, but it's more so, are you teachable? Are you coachable? Are you open to feedback? are you willing to learn do we like you can we get along with you right. you know is that that kind of stuff which is exactly what you're talking to that's what you're going to get hired for so if we mm-hmm. can close the gap between real life and the expectations that we place on ourselves in college then you can seamlessly move from one right into the other which is going to be right. really interesting to see how you navigate that in the next couple months
0: yeah i mean that just the whole conversation made me think of something else as well that i think is important to share here and that's you know looking for the jobs i think going in as a freshman into college you know again with this whole idea of challenging the norm the idea is you are trying to pitch yourself so hard to all these different companies with the idea that one's really going to like you and give you a job and give you money to work for them, right and that's to me I, that's just not the way that it should work and that's not the way you need to view it. It's not that you're trying to sell yourself to someone else. They should also be trying to sell themselves to you. And like you said, you should be looking around or uh, around and saying, are these people that I want to work with as well? Like like you said, in in the interview process, they're interviewing to see if they want to work with you. You should also use that as an opportunity to see if you want to work with them as well. Because I don't know. For For me, I don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of people who are like the people we talked about earlier that just sit around and binge watch TV all day and don't get any work done. Because I know if I do that, then I'm going to become that person too. So surrounding myself with those people who are, you know, like minded as me me in the sense of we're here to work hard and be proud of our work. And we're not going to send anything out that we're not proud of. And, you know, that, that's something I really wanted to look for. And when you're asking those questions and getting to know people on that level, that's also what's building that relationship with yourself and that company. And in a in a way that no other student is doing, so that will, first of all, set you apart. And second of all, that does get you the knowledge that you need to know to make your decision on where you do want to go work. And I just, I hate the idea that they promote to you of just, you're just trying to pitch, pitch, pitch yourself just to get that one offer with whoever's going to give you the highest dollar amount or whatever that may be. And the reason, I mean, I've I've watched people do it. I mean, my peers go through that whole process of just, I'll take anything, just put me out there, get me a job, get me a job. And every single time though, the people who are in that box and thinking like that, they always have, you know, less interest from companies than the others that are out there, you know, pursuing something that's a a good fit for both parties. And so I I really just wanted to highlight uh, highlight that out there that the interview process at any stage should be a two-way street, not just you know someone up top talking to someone down low. You're at the same playing field. You're trying to see if you want to work for them. So, uh, just wanted to get that out there.
1: That's beautiful, Jonah. Money is nice, but enjoying your life is nicer.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jonah. What do you struggle with?
0: What do I struggle with? I I'd say my biggest struggle is people not liking me. I like to be liked, and I think that's. what every everybody likes to be liked, right? Mm-hmm. But when I'm not liked, I got to figure out why, you know, and <laughs> you know all of that stuff. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to be better about, you know, not everyone's gonna like you. That's just not the way the world works. I mean, it's just not gonna happen like that. But nah, I'm just trying to find a way for myself to have the greatest benefit for the most amount of people. With the skills that I've built up with myself, which again, very broad, but as we've talked about, that's completely okay. I want it to be broad. I don't want to pencil myself into a box where the world's going to change in 10 years. Who knows? We might be flying cars around. And I don't want to pencil myself into a box where the environment no longer fits my goal. You know, I want it to be broad and I want to be able to touch as many different people. I want to be that light when I walk in the room that. People bright up, like shine up, and are confident now. Like Deion Sanders, I mean, I watch his videos on YouTube. When he steps in the room, people just know they feel it. He's there. He has that presence. I I want to be able to carry that same presence and you know impact everyone on that same level. To where it, it doesn't matter whether people you know like you or not in that room. It's 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 all pretty much just petty. It's just how am I going to help a team of people whether they like me or not carry them to win in in the best way that I can
1: when you show up in that way and you are advocating for individuals and their success you're not focused on I need you to fill a part of me I need you to like me it's Mm -hmm. I'm here for you you're a servant leader and servant leaders are needed everywhere which is I think is why having a broader purpose is super it's super applicable to your mission, right? You want a broad purpose and you want to show up as a servant. And those two go together because if you have a narrow purpose but you're trying to serve, you're gonna have very limited opportunities right. to do that.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I I think that is the the perfect word there is like servant leader. That's that's kind of the title that I'm hoping to push for. And I'm definitely not there yet. I think that's a lot of the development that I'm hoping to achieve in the next few years and something that I'll definitely be working on. It is that that part of I am here to help you help us, you know, achieve great things. And yeah. that's that that is the mindset. It's not how do I help you like me?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So Dude, I'm gonna great.
1: I'm gonna challenge you on that because yes, there may be certain characteristics that you want to further refine or different parts of yourself that you know could be better to meet the expectation you have of yourself, what does Jonah look like when he's a servant leader? But I'm gonna challenge you to, when you say that you're not that, because you are very much a servant leader. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. When you're passing by someone on the street and you show up as Jonah, and you are giving them their atten- your attention and your love, your words of wisdom, whatever it is that you're giving, that is is a servant leader. There is nothing more than that. You being present with me in this conversation, pouring your heart out, sharing your wisdom, that is you being a servant leader. You are bringing me joy. You are gifting me your presence and everyone who's listening to this conversation. And however far this goes, that's the impact that you'll have. But it's not even about numbers because we start measuring these things. It's not about that. It's about that presence. It's about that love. It's about that heart that you're bringing to this moment right now. That is how we serve. So I want to say thank you, Jonah, for being a servant leader.
0: Well, thank you for... Uh, you, you're, you've you're definitely pointed out a lot of things within me that I don't see in myself. And I, I believe that with companies, with people in general is that the biggest advocate that you have for yourself are the closest people around you because they see you in ways that you don't see yourself. And that's why I love the relationship that we have uh, together here is that you you do point out a lot of things, positive and negative, that you know I can I can work on and continue to develop in my future. But I mean just just to kind of harp off that point of I may be a servant leader today, but it's I always just want to become better. There's yeah. no There's no level where I'm just going to be satisfied of this is who I am. I'm happy with that, you know, because the minute you stop growing is the minute you fail. Mm -hmm. I think that is the biggest, the biggest failure you could ever have is stopping growing. And so I always want to continue to push and find ways that I can be better at the things that I'm already good at.
1: Yeah. You're dedicated to the journey. Definitely. And and the growth. Yeah.
0: It's all about the journey. The destination will be cool when I get there, but
1: (laughs) Well, I have to ask, because I'm curious your views on this. I feel like the destination is when we're dead, right? And that's a little like maybe dark to say, but what I'm getting at is I don't think that there is a destination, but I know when I was young, it was very much about like, just this internal ambiguous feeling of I've got to get there. I've got to get there. I've got to get there. There's some kind of ambiguous benchmark that I'm going to hit and then I'm okay.
0: Right? Right. Right.
1: But is there a destination for you?
0: I feel like there's bus stops.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> well,
0: and there's there's those little goals. I'm I'm all about you you have to have some goals if you're gonna plan, right? You can't you can't be organized if there is no underlying goal or something that you're trying to get to because what are you planning for? Right. Mm-hmm. So you you have to have something set in your sites, right? And for example, I mean my site going into college, I'm gonna graduate in three years and then that becomes that bus stop, or I guess if you want to call it the destination, it's not the final destination, but it's a along the road of, during this journey, right? And so that, that's the first bus stop. And then through that, I can plan and organize how many credits do I need to take a semester? And then say, I mean, I think I took like a 20 credit semester while I was at college and that was, <laughs> you know, just thinking about it, it was just outrageous, but then that becomes the new bus stop within the bus stop, you know, and that's, that becomes my destination. I'm going to get through this really hard semester. And then how am I going to do that? Set smaller goals within that, you know? And I think that just setting those goals that are attainable, that you can, you know, do that check mark after. Was I happy with graduate or doing 20 credits in a semester? Did I really get as much as I wanted out of all those classes? And then they can reflect on that and say, yes, yes, I did. Check that off. So I, I, yeah, that's, I don't know if that really answers your question, but. <laughs>
1: no, honestly, it like more than answers my question. I love the concept of bus stops. We have to remember it's a journey and within the journey, there are destinations or bus stops that we're in transit to.
0: Right. Yeah. Well and I mean, I, what a, I kind of like that analogy there of using a bus because on the way you're going to meet so many different people and, People get on and off at each different stop, and it's it's your journey. It's your it's your bus. You can choose to sit there with your headphones in and put your head down and not talk to anybody, or you know you can meet every single person on that bus, and then people are gonna get off the bus, and new people will get on the bus, and and just think, and life is like that. Life is that journey of bus stops, people getting on and off, and you have. The ability to do something about it you have the ability to get up and go meet that person who decides to sit next to you you have the person to get on the bus and sit next to somebody and learn about their day or their life or wherever they came from and so that, that i think that that's all part of part of the journey and guess to think about you know that that question of is there a final destination i don't think there ever is and you said because the minute you become content and stop growing i mean that's the minute you be start failing in my opinion i mean that doesn't mean like destination even when you retire and you're not working anymore there's no professional career anymore doesn't mean you stop growing (laughs) i mean there's there's plenty more things there's so much more left in that journey to go work on and to continue to do so really yeah the, the journey really never ends
1: yeah and it compounds upon itself when you see life in that way and you're not just trying to get somewhere because then that keeps you in the past or the future. But when you get to be present and you're just going along on your little bus ride, talking (laughs) to people or jamming to music, whatever, then that intentionality compounds. And now each segment of the journey gets easier and easier. Trying to achieve the next goal gets easier and easier. And that's when then you can also set more challenging goals to keep pushing your comfort zone but the muscles that you build along the way, just allow, as you said, you're just building that momentum and, and it all gets so much easier over time. And it has a big dividend, right? Coming back to investing in yourself. So you see those dividends grow over time.
0: Right, right. And I think, I think that's really just the key of it all is never stop investing in yourself. You are your biggest asset. It doesn't matter if you have a mansion or whatever, Asset you have around you. You are your biggest asset. And you should always be the thing that you're investing in the most. I and mean, every decision, everything that you do in life should all tie back to how is this making me better? I mean, like even, you know, going to get a haircut. How is that making you better? You know, I like, mean, yes, you're spending money on monetary things, but no, I it makes me more confident when I go get a haircut. And it makes me confident in who I am, as like, that's just the person that's going to go talk to people. And I know that that's going to make me a better person. Just myself building my own confidence. And so and it's, it's the small things, take your wins, take your wins when they come, because you know, the losses are coming. They are, I mean, it's, it sucks to hear, but I mean, losses are coming. <laughs> I'm going to fail many, many times in my career. I know they're coming. So why would I not take the wins when they come? Always, always take the wins on the journey.
1: Begler, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your presence and your time.
0: Thank you so much, Catherine. This is a lot of fun. And I just hope everyone who's listening to this just walks away with the sense of wanting to build good habits in their life. And, you know, I, I'm not there. I know Catherine's not there to that destination that we're all trying to get to, even though the, you're never going to get there, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, just building wanting to build those habits, just at least try it. At least try it. Do the 90 days of just trying to be the best person that you can. And I promise it it will be difficult, but I also promise it's going to be so worth it.
1: If people want to reach out to you for support on that 90-day journey, is there somewhere that they can find you online?
0: Definitely. I'd recommend reaching out on my LinkedIn. My name's Jonah Begler, so that's J-O-N-A-H, last name Begler, B B-E, as in boy, E-G-L-E-R. I'm always on LinkedIn, so feel free to DM me about whatever, whether you're going through the 90-day journey or you just want to talk about anything. I, I love learning about people. I love talking. I, I can talk all day, every day. So <laughs> <laughs> please don't feel like uh, you can't reach out, but I'd, I'd love to get to know a lot of you and hear about your stories and figure out how that can help benefit mine as well.
1: Fantastic. I hope that people really take advantage of that opportunity, hold themselves accountable, take that initiative, make that your first step, connect with Jonah on LinkedIn, and let's get going. Let's invest in ourselves. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here, Jonah. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of Opportunity Made. You can tell us about your journey through this podcast, how it's impacted you at Opportunity Made on social media at www.opportunitymade.com. You'll find more out about the podcast there as well as myself. You're more than welcome to connect with me, Catherine Lewis, on LinkedIn. Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to create the life that we are excited to live. And we will see you on the next episode of Opportunity Made. Serve widely, give greatly, take care, y'all.